Good afternoon, good afternoon, good afternoon. This is Injured Reserve Podcast with your host, me, myself, and I, Mitchell Anderson. Let's jump right into it, man. Um, <laughs> this past weekend, um, none but fireworks, it seems, from uh, just the start of Friday night with Bellator 207 and then Bellator 208 on Saturday from you know college football to the pros but let's just do let's jump right into it with Bellator 207 so we start off the weekend off this past weekend with Bellator 207 on Friday night and one of the lessons that I could definitely see the writing on the wall and possibly for the heavyweight championship come January uh Ryan Bader defeated Matt Mitrione by a decision and uh, it wasn't even close. I mean, fresh out the gates, Bader's just quicker, faster, stronger than Mitrion. Mitrion is the the bigger guy, of course, former uh, NFL player as well. But the fact of the matter is, is that Ryan Bader is man. He's establishing his name not 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 just as in himself, but as in the sport and as the brand himself and the brand itself. He's a light. He's a light heavyweight champion in Bellator, and right now, I don't know, man. Um, the way it looks, Bader, he he, he cruised past Mitrione, right? And Bellator 208, Fedor Emelianenko defeated Chael Sonnen by technical knockout in the first round. Um, the thing is, is that Chael Sonnen, he's always been that ground-and-pound kind of guy, and he tried to take Fedor down num- numerous times, and I think he was successful one of the times, but the the thing is with Fedor and Ryan Bader is that I think Bader Bader has the better endurance, and he's still in his prime. That's the problem. The thing is, is that Fedor is fighting what no one else has been able to defeat or accomplish, or never will, and that's Father Time. I mean, the uh, Fedor he's the he's the last emperor. And he's 41 years old, and he's been on a hot streak, you know, ever since he's he came out of retirement back a couple of years ago. But man, it's just I don't know. Um, I think this is going to be the last hurrah, win lose win lose or draw. Excuse me. Um, when it comes to Ryan Bader Bader and uh, Fedor come January, that will be the last Emperor's fight, and. Um, I think, like I said, endurance-wise, and <clears throat> still in his prime, Ryan Bader is at the top of his game right now. Uh, he's hot, and it's just it depends how much gas is left in the tank for Fedor. Um, he already looked kind of tired against Chael. Um, it, it was a solid fight, nonetheless. You know, it's just uh, me being a lifelong fan of Fedor. It's not the Fedor that I've known that a lot of people see him as now. There's a lot of people there's a lot of reasons why people view Fedor Emelianenko as the GOAT in the sport of MMA. It's because for his dominance and for his era during the time when I was back in high school, there was UFC brand and there was the Pride uh brand. For those who don't remember, the Pride brand was big overseas in Japan and things like that. Well, Pride eventually ended up getting bought out by UFC, and some of the fighters didn't, you know, go over to UFC. They went and did their own thing with other independent circuits, things of that nature. Uh, Strike Force, World Extreme Cage Fighting, 
uh, other brands that kind of folded or went to Bellator or went to uh, one fighting championship. Uh, the brands are still going, but <clears throat> Fedor went undefeated for nearly a decade. It was like nine years and some change, basically, until finally, you know, uh, being submitted by Fabrizio Werdum. Uh, but the thing is, is that, you know, the man was virtually, he was like 29 and 0. No one could touch him. And it was just a rare phenomenon to see in the, the world of MMA because it's tough to go that long of a winning streak and not lose. And that's why it's so phenomenal to see young guns like Khabib, uh, uh, I, I'm, I'm not going to try to pronounce his name, but Khabib right now, you know, the current, the current, uh, Palm, Pound for pound guy, the guy that recently defeated Conor McGregor a couple weeks ago. Uh, he's twenty seven and zero, and it's that's a rare thing to see. That's a rare thing to accomplish. It's you know it's not easy. The same thing with John Jones. He's like twenty one and zero, and so in the world of MMA, it's not easy. Boxing you might be able to get away with is for a little bit longer. It's because. It's one-dimensional. It's stand-up, and that's it. Anyone that's, you know, anyone else, like, it doesn't matter. You can be great on the stand-up, but if they get you on the ground and you don't master your ground technique or your skills and, you're, and you don't master it, then that's where you're going to be in trouble. So, Chael Sonnen tried to utilize his, to his strength of taking Fedor down because that's what he's known for, his wrestling and grappling, uh, and be able to hang in there with fighters and be able to ground and pound. And which he's he's done before in the past with uh, numerous fighters, future Hall of Famers like Brian Stan or Anderson Silva, but it just they didn't work this time around. Fedor was able to, uh, you know, just utilize to his weakness, make him stand up, and Fedor was just a faster man with his with his standing strikes. So, uh, come January, we'll see the the <coughs> see what happens in the heavyweight Grand Prix tournament. And who uh, become? <clears throat> Excuse me, I got interrupted there by a phone call. But as I was saying, for Bellator two hundred seven and two hundred eight, um, if I had to make an early prediction right now, come January, Brian Bader, you gotta take the young gun. I don't think Fedor has much gas left in the tank. If he just, if Fedor doesn't do anything in the first round, I think that's it. Um, he he's not uh, the last emperor that we knew from the the pride era, you know when he had that Mike Tyson effect, you know what I mean. So it's just like I I think this is Ryan Bader's time to shine. He's gonna be that guy, the guy to promote the promotion and get it, you know, keep it going. Bellator's a hot brand right now, and um, it's just uh, it's really cool and fun to see, especially other fighters that they're promoting as well. Such along the lights, along the likes of uh, Baby Slice, aka Kevin Ferguson Jr., who happened to uh, was a favorite, but actually ended up getting upset by Corey Browning, who defeated him in the second round by technical knockout punches. So that was surprising to see on Bellator 207. Uh, another thing that's kind of sad to see was a Roy Nelson. Roy Nelson, yeah, man, I don't know what happened. He he was a, one of the top heavyweights in the world for a minute. Uh, when I was in high school, and then he went from UFC to now Bellator, and uh, Sergey Kurtanov uh, beat Roy Nelson in the first round uh, by KO, and it's just it's kind of hard to see uh, one of your favorite fighters go down like that because Roy Nelson was um, he was known notorious for his chin, 
and he just, it doesn't seem like he has that chin anymore, and it's just like, I don't know, it's one of those guys, he's always had a big belly on him, but not, like, he's always stayed in somewhat of shape, and it showed, like, he didn't really, was in the shape that I've used to seeing him before, so it's just like, eh, so it's like, eh, I don't know, it's not the Roy Nelson that I knew back in high school, back seven years ago, so, but either way, um, I think it's, he does, he definitely doesn't have the, uh, chin anymore, that's for sure, but, um, uh, like I said, the Fedor Chael Simon fight, it was solid at, for the most part, he beat him in the first round, and then Benson Henderson, uh, beat Saad Awad by un- unanimous decision, Chet Congo, uh, keeping his streak alive, defeated Timothy Johnson by KO in the first round, so, uh, man, it's just uh, Bellator's hot right now. It's fun to see. It's fun to cool. It's 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 cool because it's free on the Paramount Network and what used to be Spike TV. But it's just cool and fun to see. Uh, if you don't, if you're not doing anything on a Friday, Saturday night, you know, and you're at home on the couch, you check out Paramount Network and Bellator always has free fights. It's cool. It's cool to see. You know, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to drop fifty, sixty bucks on a UFC pay per view. You know. Everyone knows their hot their hot brands right now is Conor McGregor and basically Khabib and John Jones and Ronda Rousey. And John Jones is currently in the works of coming back from his suspension and Ronda Rousey don't doesn't even fight anymore. So it's just kind of UFC is not the UFC that I knew five years ago. They used to be hot, now they're kinda a dying commodity and not a lot of people want to pay 60 bucks for a pay-per-view for some fighters that they hardly even know. That's why it's cool to see Bellator, see young and up and young up-and-coming fighters that no one really knows, so they like to see these kind of fighters, you know, rise up through the ranks, such as like a Kevin Ferguson, despite his uh, his recent loss. But it's just cool to see, nonetheless. But uh, with that being said, uh, that was my wrap-up with uh, Bellator 207 and 208. Uh, come January, uh, if I was a betting man, I'd take Ryan Bader, Bader against Fedor Emelianenko for the heavyweight championship. I think Ryan Bader rules both divisions of Bellator for the heavyweight and light heavyweight, and um, he's he he's in his prime right now. He's looking solid. He's looking great. He's in shape, and um, that's what makes him dangerous. He's a light heavyweight, and he's able to keep that same light, light heavyweight pace in, in a heavyweight division. So definitely quick on his feet and, and uh, his hands. So, um, but yeah, it's just, I have to take Ryan Bader, no doubt for early prediction come January for the heavyweight Grand Prix of Bellator. With that being said, I'm going to take a quick little break and you are listening to injured reserve podcast. Welcome back. This is Injured Reserve. Well, I was able to check out the Michigan-Wisconsin game. It was basically my first full Michigan game that I've been able to check out because I work basically every weekend. And um, I must say, um, defense, of course, as phenomenal as ever, top five in the nation. Uh, we were able to uh, turn things up come the fourth quarter, putting up 17 points. Uh, it was a little iffy at first, twenty-one to seven going in the fourth. But uh, 
we were able to turn up the notch and uh, end up giving a junk touchdown at the end. Uh, but uh, Shea Patterson, solid. Um, still not too confident in him. Um, I'm cu- I'm more curious what Dylan McCaffrey's going to do. I feel like he's our, um, how can I say this, our dark horse, I guess, if you say, if that makes any sense. He's definitely uh, the ace up our sleeve. I feel like Jim Harbaugh might utilize him come bigger game time situations, such as Bama perhaps did with Tua when it came to the national championship against Georgia last year. I think Dale McCaffrey is our guy. I think Shea Patterson is more of just kind of mirage for other opponents to see because they can't see what Dale McCaffrey can do. We we see glimpses. We see Dale McCaffrey has explosiveness and elusiveness like Christian McCaffrey does, his brother who plays for Carolina right now. Um, but except he's at quarterback, and he showed it last or Saturday night against Wisconsin when he broke like a 40-yard run for a touchdown late in the fourth. So with that being said, um, hit Karen Higgin, if I pronounce that right, over 100 yards, solid. <coughs> and it's just, um, we, we, we're just that old school ground and pound, like, you know, run the ball kind of thing. And I like it. It's a rare thing to see nowadays because everyone, everyone wants to see passes and things of that nature, high explosive offenses. And that's just not Michigan. It's never been Michigan and probably never will be. We Michigan football has always been the old school, just kind of run up the gut, ground and pound, you know, always produce great running backs in college football from a Mike Hart to Kevin Grady to, um, Oh god, I'm trying I'm trying Chris Perry. Um who else have we had? Tyron Woodley. You know yeah, running backs of that nature. You you get the picture. It's just Michigan has always been that. We always get that one two combo of running backs for the program. Uh lately it's never been really been that, uh, since Rich Rodriguez came to the picture. And then Brady Hope came in and it's just like uh eh. Uh, we had that one solid season with Brady Hoke. We won the Sugar Bowl against Virginia Tech, and then things went downhill after that. But uh, uh, it's sol- it was a true test. Uh, Wisconsin came in a big house. Uh, Michigan moves up in the top ten. They're ranked sixth in the nation now. Um, they got, like I said, the true tests are coming up in these next couple of weeks. Uh, they got. Uh, all this week, it's going to be Michigan State. That's all. That's going to be all on their mind. Revenge. Same in the week after that, it's going to be revenge on their mind. Penn State. You know what I mean? So it's just like it's like Michigan State, uh, Penn State. Um, I'm trying to think who else. Uh, seven, eight. I think I think it's like Indiana and then Ohio State. So that's all it's going to be about for a while for Michigan. It's going to be a challenge. These next four or five weeks, it's going to be hell. But defense solid, still not confident in Shea Patterson. I hope Jim Harbaugh, I I feel like he has something up his sleeve. <laughs> I, I, God, I hope so. But uh, we'll see how uh, the season goes on and progresses. But I think just my intuition, I, I believe Dale McCaffrey's he's our guy. That's just me, though. So he has one more year of eligibility left, so we get him for one more year. I just don't think Shea Patterson is the guy, and I think everyone else knows that. And um, I think Jim knows that, and 
out. We'll see how the week, the season progresses when it comes to big game time. Um, but with that being said, Alabama, as always, rolling on. 39-10 against Missouri. LSU pulls a huge, stunning upset and just slobber knocks Georgia 36-16, handing Georgia's first L of the year. So LSU's get probably jump. They're gonna jump in the top ten. Georgia might stay in the top. Well, yeah, they'll stay in the top ten. They're ranked second in the nation. Ohio State beat Minnesota 30-14. Notre Dame again squeezing by. It seems like all their games have been kind of close. Nineteen to fourteen against Pittsburgh. Beside uh, besides last week against Vatek, the all the rest of their games have been extremely extremely close. Um, never really consistent. Uh, they they beat Michigan twenty four seventeen, then Ball State twenty four sixteen, then Van Vanderbilt twenty two seventeen, then Wake Forest. You know they put up a lot of points fifty six twenty seven. Stanford they got a big W. I'll give them that thirty eight seventeen. Stanford's ranked seventh in the nation. Vatek forty five twenty three, and then Pittsburgh nineteen fourteen. So. It really looks like whenever they play good teams, you know, they're able to squeak by or pull away and they have, you know, legit reason as, you know, hence a top 25 team. It's a reason why it's going to be a close game, you, you would think. But when it comes to rinky-dink teams, you know, three and two, two and four teams, they struggle. I don't get it. Uh, they always played up to level their competition for some reason, and it's the same. It's not going to... Excuse me, I got uh, interrupted again by another phone call. But uh, with that being said, um, yeah, as I, as I was saying, Michigan Notre Dame always been notorious for playing up to just their level of their competition. I don't know why. It doesn't make any sense to me. But it, I, I don't know. When it comes to big game times, they bring it. But <laughs> rinky-dink teams like an Indiana or a Ball State, it's like they win by 12 or 10. It doesn't make any sense, but I don't know. Uh, maybe they don't put much effort into it. Uh, but overall, Notre Dame, uh, fifth in the nation, uh, 7 and 0. Uh, well, I don't know. It's a little outdated. They might have moved up now because six out of like, the top 10 teams this past week lost. You got to think, you got to put it in that perspective as well. Georgia lost to LSU, right? They were ranked second in the nation. Then Oregon was able to pull up the upset against Washington Huskies, thirty to twenty-seven, and overtime. So the number seven Washington Huskies lose to Oregon, and then Michigan State beat Penn State, who's ranked eighth in the nation, twenty-one seventeen. So that there's another loss. Uh, number nine Texas almost lost as well. Able, uh, uh, they won twenty-three to seventeen against Baylor. <clears throat> Let's see who else was there. Uh, by the way, uh, we're just gonna ignore the fact that uh, in the American Conference, uh, Central Florida. I mean, Grant they beat Memphis thirty-one to thirty. They're ranked tenth in the nation. Just in case anyone forgot about them, uh, Miami lost an upset against Virginia sixteen thirteen. Uh, let's see, Auburn lost Tennessee thirty twenty-four. Well, I believe yeah, that was it. So. Penn State lost. They were in the top 10. Washington, West Virginia. So that was three teams in the top 10 that lost in Georgia. So four out of the top 10 teams in this past week of college football, week seven, lost. 
So that means teams like Michigan, Notre Dame, LSU, Ohio State, Central Florida, and Texas are going to move up. Keep in mind, Central Florida. And Florida. They'll probably, yeah, they might get that top 10 spot as well. They're 14th this last week. I don't know how accurate it is right now. But uh, right now, uh, midway through the season, my playoff predictions, I got to say Clemson, Bama, Ohio State. And right now, I got to give respect where respect is due. Notre Dame, I got to give them that four spot. Uh, on the outside for contenders, uh, I'm going to be biased. I'm going to have my Wolverines out there uh, right next to Georgia. But uh, like I said, we're only midway through. Uh, we got about five, six games left of the season for college football. This is week seven, so still a lot of game left to play. So we got the regular season, then we got the conference championship, and then we go from there. So week, week by week, game by game. But with that being said, uh, that concludes week seven of college football. Uh, y'all are listening to Andrew Reserve. I'm going to preview this past week of uh, the NFL. Stay tuned. Welcome back. This is Andrew Reserve. So week six is in the books for the NFL. And to recap, Thursday night, the Eagles defeated the Giants 34-13. Eli Manning, per usual, struggling. Uh, 281 yards, one pick, 24-43. Od- Odell Beckham uh, expressing his frustrations. Uh, went into the locker room early near the end of the game, or I think it was halftime, but either way, he went in the locker room early before everyone else. And, um, yeah, so there's that. There's that devastation that for the Giants organization. They're 1-5, 0-3 at home. And uh, the Eagles hanging in there, staying at 500. And I still think they're having that little Super Bowl hangover, and they're going to be a 10-6, 11-5 team. Carson Wentz, though, it looks like he's back to Mold South, three passing touchdowns. So, um, with that being said, um, they'll definitely struggle this season, like I said, but I do believe that they'll win the division at like 11-5, and 10-6. Division's not that good. Neither are the Cowboys. Shaquan Barkley, definitely future for the Giants. Just need a quarterback. They got to draft a quarterback or grab someone in free agency. My Steelers be able to pull off a game-winning drive. Big Ben to Antonio Brown for the game winning touchdown, 28-21. Uh, they stay above 500, 3-2-1. Bengals 4-2. Since he still struggles against my Steelers for some reason. This, this should be their year, but still early. James Conner, 19 carries, over 100 yards, 2 rushing touchdowns. Juju Smith, 7 receptions, over 100 yards reception. Or receiving yards, excuse me. Falcons, their defense is still trash, still hanging in there. Should not be giving up four passing touchdowns against Jameis Winston. Nonetheless, the Falcons still got the W, 34-29, but not giving up four passing touchdowns against someone against Jameis Winston. He's good, but he's not that good. Uh, Los Angeles Chargers decimated the Cleveland Browns. Make sure uh, the whole Baker Mayfield hype just tad down a little bit. 
22-46, 238 yards, one pass and touchdown for the rookie. But everyone just needs to chill out in the hype train. It's two wins. They're 2-3-1 and one on the season. Uh, but either way, the Chargers win 38-14. Melvin Gordon with the help of the low to three rushing touchdowns. Uh, Seattle Seahawks get back to 500, 3-3 uh, against the struggling Raiders. Uh, the sorry Raiders, 1-5. Uh, they only put up three points, and that was in the fourth quarter. Uh, Seahawks win 27-3. They were 29 uh, going to the fourth. Russell Wilson, three passing touchdowns. Uh, precise as per usual, 17-23, over 200 yards passing. Doug Baldwin with 91 receiving yards of that. Um Raiders are in trouble. Uh, everyone knows it. No one wants to admit it from Raider Nation. Some might, but I think your 10-year, uh, $100 million contract on a coach who hasn't coached in 10 years was one of the most uh, devastating things you could ever do to an organization. Things would have been just fine if you would have kept Khalil Mack and would have actually got in tune and in touch with the players instead of bringing that old-school head coach mentality that's been washed away 10 years ago and it's not relevant so john gruden get your things together because either one one of two things is going to happen or one of three things either you got to adjust and start becoming more familiar with your players and turn this franchise around but i don't think that's going to happen so one of two things is going to happen either you're going to end up getting resigned and you're going to go home and get your 100 mil guarantee without worry in the world or get fired, and right, and the franchise and the whole fan base is going to hate you forever for that. Dolphins win a game-winning field goal in overtime against the Bears, uh, 31-28. With Brock Osweiler, Ryan Tannehill was hurt. Osweiler was able to fill the shoes for the starting role, throwing three passing touchdowns. The old man Frank Gore still showing uh, some life, 15 carries over 100 yards. Dolphins 4-2 on the year, Bears 3-2. Uh, the Minnesota Vikings, uh, 27-17 against the 1-5 Cardinals. Josh Rosen, 21-31, 240 yards, one pick. Uh, it's a process, but don't lose hope on them just yet. It's just a process. Adam Thielen, 11 receptions, over 100 yards receiving, and one touchdown. The Jets beat the Colts, 42-34. Colts, 1-5. Andrew Luck, despite the 34 points, who put up four passing touchdowns, they still lose to the J-E-T-S Jets. Washington Redskins beat the Carolina Panthers, uh, 23-17. Newton, still a solid game, 27-40, 275 yards, and two passing touchdowns. Uh... And then uh, Houston Texans beat the Bills 2013. Jameis Winston, or excuse me, Deshaun Watson, 15-25, 177 yards, one touchdown. DeAndre Hopkins, five receptions, 63 yards, one touchdown. The Rams beat the Broncos 23-20. They're still undefeated on the earth, 6-0. <coughs> excuse me, Todd Gurley, 28 carries, 208 yards, two rushing touchdowns. Young franchise, young determined team, look out for them. They're definitely Super Bowl favorite for the NFC. <clears throat> I think the biggest surprise of the night, and I hate to say it, but I'm still going to stick with my statement that I said earlier, Cowboys aren't that good. Jaguars defense just got exposed. 
Dak Prescott, 17-27, 183 yards, two passing touchdowns. No way in the world, no way, no how should Dak Prescott should be throwing that kind of thing against a defense like that. Jalen Ramsey said he was trash and he had to eat his words. 24 carries for Ezekiel Elliott, over 100 yards, one receiving touchdown. Cole Beasley, nine reception, 101 yards, two receiving touchdowns. Jalen Ramsey, where are you? You talked all this trash and you couldn't back it up and you lost 40-7 to against the Dallas Cowboys. You were down 30-7 to going in the fourth quarter and nothing happened. I get it. Oh, he's a defender. There's nothing you can do. I get that. But when you're talking trash and you're... And you're trashing every everyone else's quarterback, and you fail to realize that Blake Bortles is inconsistent. So it's just one game he throws for four touchdowns, the other game he's just he's just there. So Jacksonville, I don't know what's going on. A defense used to be the the ride or die where it was last last year, uh, but Jalen Ramsey's talk. Uh, this is the pros, young one. So the pros, uh, they hear you. They're going to back it up, no doubt. This is a man's game. Baltimore Ravens, 21 nothing against Tennessee Titans. Joe Flacco, not too shabby. One passing touchdown. Michael Crabtree, six receptions, 93 yards. Patriots, probably the game of the night, most likely. 43-40 to against the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, Brady was able to lead... Uh, Game-winning drive for a game-winning field goal. Patrick Mahomes, though, he's the real deal. 23-36, 352 yards, four passing touchdowns. Tyreek Hill, seven receptions, 142 yards, three receiving touchdowns. All the tools and mechanics are there for that Kansas City team. Andy Reid has got the team set up. I still believe that the AFC's got to run through Arrowhead. Kansas City's going to get home field advantage in the AFC. And I think things will be different this year. Kansas City is going to be that team. And I think it'll be a rematch, just like we saw last year. It'll be New England and Kansas City. So I don't know. I'm still going to stick. I still think the Patriots will hang on, though. I, But who knows? Things could be different. Um, But, uh, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> but uh, nonetheless, great game. Patrick Mahomes, any Chiefs fans out there, definitely be excited. Uh, a lot of young talent, a lot of, a lot of hope, a uh, bright future ahead of y'all. Uh, Monday Night Football, San Francisco 49ers take on the Green Bay Packers, 1-4 against 2-2-1. Two, two um, so, yeah, take Green Bay. I believe it's it would be a 31-13 game, nothing too special. Um, it's just, eh. <coughs> It's just uh, another game for Green Bay. Uh, even though they've been struggling, uh, San Fran ain't that good to hang on much much longer. It'd be close at first, but they'll pull away at the end. So, 31-13, I have Green Bay. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, but I don't know. I think the main discussion for a lot of people to keep bringing up is that when is Brady going to fall off that quote-unquote cliff when he's going to fall off when father time is going to show up on his doorstep and obviously it's not showing up anytime soon because he's he's thrown for over 67,000 career passing yards he threw for over 500 yards in the Super Bowl and could arguably win the MVP again this year but I don't think he will I think it'll be Drew Brees that's just my prediction 
Um, but uh, I don't. Uh, Brady's still showing life. He's he's still throwing like it was he was ten years ago. So, but once it creeps on you, it creeps on you fast, just like it did Peyton Manning. All it takes is that one particular hit, that one play, and things are different. So. It could be this year. It we could be waiting till next year. But all I know is Brady's forty-one, and he's forty, forty-one, and eventually, it's gonna creep up on him. So anyone wishing Father Time on him, don't worry, it's coming. Cause no one stays good or great forever. It happens to the best of us. You know what I mean? So it happened to Paint Manning. It's happened to Dan Marino. It's happened to all the greats in the NFL. So, but. Uh, that's just uh that's just the way the game is. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh weather's changing, leaves are falling, I love fall. I just had uh woke up and went to the gym and felt fine, felt great, took a nap and woke up, started coughing for no reason. I don't I never used to get sick either, which is weird. I never started getting sick until I joined the service. Uh that's uh that's the shitty thing. But, uh, I don't know. But I hope y'all are having a great week, man. Uh, I had a solid this past weekend. I, I mean, granted, all I did was work. But it was a solid weekend nonetheless. And i finally been able to get into my video games a little bit. Uh, get my nerd on. I've been playing the new Spider-Man game for the PlayStation 4. And any of y'all that have it or don't have it, grab it, rent it, whatever. Definitely check it out. Fun game. That's all I've been playing lately. I went from Madden to that. And I can't stop playing it. It's a fast-paced game. If any of y'all like the Arkham games, like the, excuse me, Arkham Asylum, Arkham City, or Arkham Knight, the Batman games, if you like those, you'll like this. It's just, the only difference is that it's a little bit more fast-paced, and it's not as dark. You know, it has a little bit sense of humor into it. It's a young Peter Parker, but instead of a young Peter Parker in high school where he gets his powers, he's already aware of his powers, and he goes to college and whatnot. And he's a college kid slash superhero, you know, by part-time. So, things of that nature. Great quality, great characters. Uh, open city. Uh, a lot of cool things to do. Uh, you're fighting... Uh, God, I'm trying to think of all the villains, but... I haven't gotten that far into it, so I can't really say. But, uh, great game. <coughs> like I said, it takes a minute to get used to the controls and whatnot, and it's so fast-paced, but... Man, and once you learn the controls, it's fun. On my scale, 1 to 10, I give it an 8.5. Great game. It's fun. And uh, definitely check it out. It's worth of checking out or sparing some time. But uh, with that being said, that's uh, my uh, recap of this, uh, this past week in the NFL and my little review on the Amazing Spider-Man game on PlayStation 4, even though I'm totally late and that game's been out for like a month. I've just been so damn busy with school, or trade school for that matter, um, that I rarely sit down and be able to play the game. But with that being said, I appreciate y'all that's been listening in and whatnot. I try and be consistent with this. Uh, I just can't wait to be done with trade school and come December, just be done with the whole nine and just get back to working or getting some more hours for that matter and then uh, see where life takes me then. But uh, that being said, this is Injured Reserve Podcast. This is Mitchell Anderson. Again, thank you all for listening. Until next time, you all have a great week. God bless. Have a good one.